and it is time for our good friend, Master Gardener Barb Lampson, to join me, Karen Wright. Master Gardener, good morning, Barb. Hey, good morning, good friend and Master Gardener. How is it out there? It's a little slick out there. Finally got some snow and very cold weather. Yes, yes, it is very cold. I I have been uh, watching the perennial border in front of my house, and it was really nicely covered with snow. And now I see there's just all kinds of little marks from, uh, I don't know what. Critters. I the squirrels maybe and birds, they get in there. And and I thought, oh, wow, th- this is good. Now they have a new little place that's kind of warm there along the foundation. But and they also are going to be having more trouble to find food, so they might be going for your plants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I left the perennial plants up with seed heads on them. That's good. And uh, <clears throat> I just thought, you know, this could be the winter that that's horrible. And then again, this might be the winter where we have no snow or minimal amounts of snow. So either way, uh, we'll see how that goes. I enjoy looking out. And, you know, <clears throat> my neighbor, Mrs. J, who lives across the street from me, directly across, she has her drapes opened up about eight inches, and in the morning, her cat, Charles, sits up <laughs> on his little stool, and he looks across at me, and I look across at him, and I wave to him. <laughs> Did he <laughs> wave back? No, I, I'm, I'm sure he, he ha- I don't know that he can see that far, Oh, <laughs> but when, when the puppies, when we were taking care of our daughter's puppies, you know, they would sit in the front window and look out, and, and I thought... They have really good eyesight. Oh, my goodness. They can see a, a squirrel at 40 feet. They just, oh. They, get they probably so, had a stare down with that poor cat. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. So this morning, <clears throat> Mrs. J let him out on the front step. He wanted to be out, apparently. He was out for about 30 seconds, oh, and he so went right cool. back to the door. That's I, it. Don't I'm, get me. I agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I've been... Uh, looking at my garden books and thinking about gardening and that. And we had uh, a listener who called and asked us about, I thought it was flea beetles. Well, it was with houseplants, those <coughs> little flies and things that come with the houseplants and yes. things like that. And how do you get rid of them? And so uh, we didn't have a chance to talk much about that. So. Right. Well, I had on my plants flea beetles. Um, that now, what was, is a flea beetle? And it's very small. Okay. It's infinitesimally small. It's about the size of um, a pinhead. If you think of a common pin, they're very small like that, and they fly around. I didn't realize that I had brought something like that in from the outside. I brought a big geranium in, <clears throat> so they were on that, that plant when you brought it they in this were. fall? Okay. And I probably wouldn't have seen them. You don't see them crawling around on the plant. What you see them is flying in and out. Oh, they dart okay. around. And uh, they. you know you've got something like that because they are the kind of plant, they chew holes. And it's just like you would have uh, taken a pencil or something and Poked holes. Poked it, okay. Yeah, so that's what they do. Because generally they don't eat enough to probably kill the plant, but the real danger is that they spread the bacterial diseases like wilt and blight and things like that. So that's why it's important to get rid of them. It is, it is. What do you do? And Well, what you do is before you 
bring a plant in from outside. You know, you should really isolate it. And fortunately, this one I had put on the kitchen table by the north window, and I probably wouldn't have noticed these flea beetles if I hadn't have been sitting there in the morning having breakfast, and all of a sudden this little tiny pesty thing is flying around and I'm hitting at it. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow, this must be a fruit fly. But <clears throat> when I looked up fruit flies, this flea beetle is small in comparison to that. So if you've got something that's really small, pesty, something you think belongs outside, it certainly does. But that's what it is. And so what you do is you have to be very careful when you bring things in. You know, um, wash them off really well, undersides of the plant as well as the tops and the soil, and then put them in a place in isolation. I like to take them from the outside and then put them in my enclosed porch after I've cleaned them up and then bring them in one at a time and put them in an area where you can watch them. Because like these flea beetles, unless you're sitting there <laughs> and they start flying around or moving, you, you don't know they're there until they make a big infestation. And it's important to get on these things when you only have a few of them. And you can use a couple of different things. You can use neem oil, which is one of the things. Um, and you can use insecticidal soap, which is another one. These two products, neem, if, it depends on who you're reading. They'll say, well, this is safe for <clears throat> everything. Well, actually, I don't think it really is. You have to be careful. Insecticidal soap, <clears throat> what that does is it makes the leaves taste awful, and that's why they don't like uh, it. chewing things don't like it right. Neem oil, I, I, I haven't used that. I don't use that. I just don't know if I'd have enough use for it. Uh, insecticidal soap works really quite well for me. And I've heard some people that'll use those sticky traps. You can get those little sticky traps. I don't know how yeah. well they work, but you know, you've seen the kinds with the flies, and then they just stick yeah. on there and... You know what I did? I bought a container of, um, I'm going to call it sticky soap. It's not. It's a sticky substance. Is that that Tanglefoot stuff? There's something called yeah. Tanglefoot. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. Tanglefoot. Mm -hmm. And I um, uh, I spread it on a piece of yellow paper. Okay. And I put it um, on the bottom of, uh, on the soil, in the, in the pot itself. Oh, okay. And so, but not on the leaves, but on... And, and, and I've done that, and <clears throat> every once in a while, you'll find something that's stick, stuck on there. But for the most part, I've been really pretty darn lucky. And, and with my flea beetles, um, I took the plant and put it in the bathtub, used a spray and just sprayed it off with soapy water. And, <clears throat> and I did that uh, a couple of times, let it dry off in there, and then put it back where it bit. And using your own very mild soap w works just as well as buying something. That's yeah, like putting a drop of that Dawn soap in, in sure. like a water and then bottle, spraying it know, or something. Yeah. Spray yeah. it around, yeah, and go on the undersides. And most of these things takes more than one application. Sure. But uh, I would say that's, that's the, the basic thing. And keeping the plant healthy. You know, house plants are just like a plant outdoors. They need sunshine for photosynthesis. They need water. 
for the for the roots so that they can do photosynthesis. Do you know one thing you mentioned water that I find a lot of people do because there's people in the building that'll ask me about plants because they know mm-hmm. I like to garden and stuff. And I'll look at their plant. I'll say, well, do you water? Well, yeah, I, I give it a little water every day. Well, that's the thing. You can kill them with kindness. <coughs> I say you need to water it thoroughly until the water comes out the bottom and then right. take that and dump it. Uh, so otherwise, just the, you're putting it on the top and the roots in the bottom aren't getting anything. So you got to really water it thoroughly. And that's the same thing with your, uh, when you have container plants in the summer, I see people, you know, just dumping a little cup of water yeah. here and there and they go, oh, I watered it. Well, no, you need to soak it all the way through. Yeah, that's true. And if you're not doing that, um, and if you have a bigger pot, the, the water's not even getting to where the roots are. Right. The roots are lower down in the plant, and the roots are taking up the water, redistributing that to the plant, and that's what they need for photosynthesis. Right. And if they don't have photosynthesis, They're dead. they don't make food. Right. You know, the other thing I know with, with um, house plants is the house gets very dusty, especially in the winter when it's oh, so dry. Yes. So sometimes I will just have to take a towel or something, a little wet, damp towel, and, and wipe the leaves. Otherwise, they can't get the anything in to, for photosynthesis because it's so uh, filtered. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. There can be other things that get on your plants, too, on your plant leaves. And besides just the dust that's in your house, if you if you do a lot of frying in that, you know, the, anything that moves in the air will settle on the leaves. So you have to keep watching all the time. We have a listener. Yes. Uh, Laura, who sent us a text. She says, I'm not sure if this is a Karen and Barb question or a Karen and Al question. Well, we can ask him too. What varieties of sunflowers are best for growing for feeding birds in winter? Thank you. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I've well, never heard that asked, been asked that well, question we can, before. Well, we'll, we'll maybe ask <clears throat> Al. I just know that I grew sunflowers. I grew a, a bunch from a trial for the University of Minnesota uh, garden. And mm-hmm. they all, some were bigger heads and some were smaller heads and they all had seeds and irregardless of which one the birds like the seeds regardless sure so i mean and i took them and i actually cut them at the stem and i hang them from like a rope or something from a branch and then they can pick them off themselves yeah you know um uh, i haven't been growing uh any of the sunflowers at home i've been growing them up at good council and i do the same thing i have some lattice and then i poke them through there and what I do is I keep the the extra heads in my greenhouse mm-hmm. so they'll be dry because if I put the if I put several of them out there the squirrels get in them. Oh right. And and they're just a real nuisance. <laughs> but I would say to um, Laura's question um, just experiment and see which one works which one works best for you. You know there are varieties now that aren't so tall that don't take up space and well, if you have a small you know, garden in the city, you probably want something like that. Well, that's what I did through the University of Minnesota. They had a dwarf sunflower seed trial. So Hmm. that's the one I did, Barb, and I had it just in my uh, four by four foot raised bed that I that I had all of these and you know there was six different varieties. Sure. And so it was interesting to try out and see. And so I guess like I said, this the birds like all of them. Some, sure they did. It's just that some produce more than others. But we'll ask Al that. That since it's a bird related yeah, question, yeah. 
and maybe we can check with our Master Gardener friends and maybe they have some ideas. Yeah, and Karen, what did you find with the ones you got from the university? Was there a named variety that you thought worked best and grew best in your area? Yes, but I'm going to have to look it up because I can't remember it. So. Oh, that's that's pretty typical, you know. Yeah, yeah right. Because there was, you know, there was some that, because then what happens is there's people all over the state that are doing this same trial and you have to report your data. You say, well, how did it grow? How did it bloom? Yeah. Uh, you know, were there any problems with it? And then they always, something always kind of rises to the top. Sure. And so you keep talking, I'll find it hopefully. Okay, okay. <clears throat> well, I'm wondering if, did you direct seed yours? Yes, that's the, what you could, you're not supposed to really, uh, you're not supposed to start sunflowers ahead of time. They're right. direct in the ground when it's warm. Sure. And they are are fine. And these dwarf ones, they're, they're really cute too. And I don't like them when they're too tall because then it's just, I don't know. They're just uh, too they, much for what I've got in my they garden. They bend in the wind. I was really quite surprised uh, up at Good Council. You know, a sunflower could grow easily eight foot tall. And then as the wind came in, they started, they would start bending more and more. As the head of the flower filled up, the seeds ripened, it got even more so, so it would bend over. <clears throat> Which is kind of a good idea because it was harder for the birds up there to get in and take those seeds out. And so at that point, they were ripe, and I cut them off and brought them home. So that's one of the things you want to watch for. If you're going to save seeds for the winter feeding, be sure you get them when they're just when they're just ready to go because if you don't, the birds will get them, and there won't be any to feed them in the wintertime. Okay, so I don't. <clears throat> I, these are the the uh, varieties we had for dwarf sunflowers. There was one called Incredible Dwarf, mm -hmm. Dwarf Sunspot, Teddy Bear, Yellow Pygmy, Firecracker, and Big Smile. And those are the varieties, but I don't, I can't find where the results are yet. So I'll have to get back to you sure. on that. You know, um, I have seen Teddy Bear in my seed catalog. Oh yeah. Um, uh, so that was not one of the top ones. I do remember that. Yeah, much. right, right. Well, you know, and that's the one that gets more petals than it does seeds, because a lot of them are mm. like open seeds where the sure. seeds are big in the middle, and then the flower, the petals are around the side. That one is more like looks like just a regular flower. So, mm. I would say that one probably wouldn't be as good for the birds. No. Well, you know, it depends on why you're putting them in. Sometimes you just want height in your garden. Yeah. And uh, if you're doing that, maybe something like that. I think there's quite a long growing season with them too. So be sure you read the packet of seeds that you get and and make sure that it's not too long a time to bring them into bloom and to get the seeds uh, ripe outside. Do you know I'm going to be doing a, uh, I don't know if I told you, I signed up for a seed trial this year, Barb. For which? For a seed trial with the University of Minnesota. Because oh, okay. if you're Master Gardener, you can tell it. So this time I'm going to do what the, it's called the broccoli sprouts because I love them. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, they're they're like broccoli, except they keep sprouting all summer long versus just one big head. So that's the one I chose. And they'll give you six different varieties and they're, they're coated so you don't know which is which. And then you raise them and you take notes and you send them in throughout the summer. You know, I did that uh, uh, that broccoli like that one year, and I wasn't as happy with it because what I got was very small heads. I like those big heads of broccoli. You go out, you take one, and you have enough. I mean, you just have. Oh, one. you don't like the little ones? No. See, I like those because you keep there. I feel that they're. Um, more succulent. I feel like they're they're sweeter. I feel like that they just keep coming because I don't mm -hmm. need that much broccoli at once. So I just keep 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, between my husband and I, and, and when I make them, I steam them. Don't put them in water. Steam them. Put them in a steamer. Right. That's what I do. Or I roast them. I love roasting them. Yeah. Roasting them's good, too. And uh, that keeps a lot of the flavor there, too. But... Uh, we can eat broccoli. I mean, we love it. It's it's wonderful. But then you get the big one, then you cut the head off, then it's done, pretty much. Yep, you're right. But see, this is. is the kind that just keeps coming and coming. Sure, sure. All right, so I, I did find it here. This is the, they did have the um, Master Gardener Sunflower Trial, the Dwarf Mini Sunflowers, and there are becoming more popular with people who want to attract pollinators and add pops of color to their gardens. Uh, and these dwarf ones are typically less than three feet tall, which is why I like them. But some of them have multiple flower heads and some, you know, like the bigger ones usually have just that one big head. So um, let's see the ones, the, in this case, 121 master gardeners grew this trial and submitted data. This is from 2022. And then you had to sow the seeds directly, which I mentioned to you. And, and uh, let's see, general observations, the average planting date was May 27th. Okay. Um, with the exception of Big Smile, that's one of the varieties, 33% of gardeners reported mild to moderate animal and insect damage. With mm. some exception, 18% reported mild to moderate damage from disease, insect, and animal pests included finches, deer, squirrels, rabbits, ants, Japanese beetles, and aphids. Grasshoppers were present, and holes and leaves were widely reported. Reported diseases included septoria leaf spot, rust, verticillum wilt, and powdery mildew. And so this is a great site actually for other things because they've got uh, trials with tomatoes, they've got trials with carrots, they've got trials with pretty much anything. And you can read about each one of these individually. So go to University of Minnesota Seed Trials Good. and you can go back and what Good. year did you do it? Do you remember? I didn't do um, the uh, uh, seed trials for, for the sunflowers. Okay. All right. The number one, I'll give you the number one here. The number one was firecracker, and I do remember this one as being nice. It was by far the most colorful. Mm. Uh, number two was incredible dwarf. Number three was dwarf sunspot. Number four, yellow pygmy. And we just talked about teddy bear. Teddy bear was number five mm. out of six. And the reason it's down here, it had the lowest germination rate. And yeah, so oh, wow. the big smile. Well, that's important to know. And here's one don't bother with. Big smile was a big disappointment. Germination rate was good but uh, got a lot of damage from uh, insects Insect. and all kinds of other things. <clears throat> and and it, its flowering curve began uh, rising a week or so earlier than average, but otherwise it was unremarkable. And meh. You know, the thing I don't like sometimes about these reports is um, it doesn't go into the history of how they were planted. You know, were they planted in full sun? Were they planted in good soil? Well, this is the deal, though. That's why they have 121 people from all across the state, and everybody's going to do things a little different. Like, right. I did it in a raised bed. You might do it in the ground. So the nice thing about that is, Barb, is that this is kind of an overall view. Yeah, but who, I mean, when you read the... Um, the results of someone who had problems with insects and that. I mean, if you if you didn't improve your soil, if you didn't have enough sunlight, if you didn't water, you're going to have more problems. So basically, with all of these things, you have to start out with the same premise. To, well, to they, grow, things need water, I mean, sunlight, uh, loose soil, you know. They do give you, you know, instructions about how to plant them, but like you said, everybody's going to be a little right. different. And some people, they interpret that. Oh, yeah. 
uh, you know, I watered. I went up there with the hose. I just, you know. <laughs> sprinkle it. You sprinkled it a little bit here and a little bit there. That's not good. But, yeah, experience is really invaluable to a gardener. It's good to listen to those people who have tried something that have been successful, but also you have to try it for yourself. But, you know, if there's, uh, uh, if this is number six, like Big Smile, this is considered the worst one. If there's 60, uh, let's see, if there's 64% of the people reporting damage, insect damage, 33% reporting disease damage, and 11% say they were killed by disease. Now, these are all in the same area with these other ones, so they're comparing them to this other group. So sure. within this group, I yep. guess I would maybe look at the, you know, which one of those. Absolutely. Yeah, read the whole report. Don't just grab one thing out and say that's it. Yeah. Yeah, just go to U- University of Minnesota Seed Trials, and they'll have it from previous years and all the different things that they've done, everything, like I said, radishes, corn, you name it, they've done it all. You know, I have noticed that um, the radishes are in the stores now, and every store doesn't get them from the same place. There's always a a label on them, and it tells you where they're grown, where they're packaged, and I got some beautiful-looking radishes. That don't buy those in a plastic bag that have the tops cut off. You don't know how long they've been, you know, oh. in that plastic bag and that. So but, the pre, pre-prepared ones, essentially. Yeah, prepared. Okay. Yeah, and so buy them with these beautiful leaves on. I bought some. They were from California. I read the label. It said grown and processed in California. Please wash before you eat. And the leaves on it were perfect. And the bottoms were just so good and so tasty. They weren't woody and they weren't strong. And they didn't tell you what variety they were. Oh, yeah. But they were Excellent, just excellent, yeah. I'm wondering if they have to tell you where they're from because of all the food poisoning and things that they have to be really careful because they can trace it back, yeah. I think more people are reading labels. They want to know where something's coming from, and uh, that's, that's just a good piece of advice to have. Read the label, where did it come from? And who uh, packaged it for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, and also you you want to know if it's organic. Did they use a bunch of sprays and chemicals on this? And some people, you know, do not want that at all. So pay attention. And that's going to the organic then. You know, you're going to pay more for it. But um, it's... if it's it's something that you don't buy that often, go for it. I mean, you want something that's going to taste good and be healthy for you. Right. <clears throat> what else have you been doing, Barb? Uh, well, I've been moving plants around. You have. And, and I've been trimming them and, uh, and lifting up the leaves and saying, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like checking a baby's diaper. <laughs> Did you go potty in here? You smell. Do you have any disease here? Yeah, yeah, yeah right, ex- right. exactly right. And uh, I've been assessing what I've got for pots. It seems like you have a lot of pots stacked up until you want the right one. The right size, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, usually when I'm going to use pots, either I brought a new plant in, so 
you know, a smaller one is appropriate. But if I've had plants growing all winter long, I think they should be repotted. I need something that's bigger. And finding the right pot and then the drainage dish that I can put it in. Drainage, you know, you have to have something underneath your pot so it can drain into that because, as you said, we water until the water starts running out. Yeah, unless you want to ruin your floor, which <clears throat> I have accidentally done in the past on yeah. a wood, <laughs> engineered wood floor. It's like, oops, I guess I should have, or, or sometimes the right. tray underneath might leak. Yeah, that's you've got to be careful on that. I also have bought a new vaporizer this week, and <clears throat> in my front window... Um, which is the bay window. I have several plants, and I have it setting on the floor up there because your house does get very, very dry in the winter, and you've probably noticed that yourself. Your skin is dry. Your nose is dry. Well, plants, with their thin little leaves, they dry out really, really fast. So if you can, put if you can put a vaporizer or humidifier or you can plant, um, you can take your plant and you can take a, uh, a saucer, put rocks in it, and then let the, the, put water in there. And that will dissipate throughout the day. Do you ever just miss them too? Is that a good idea? Or do you get problems with fungus and things? Well, you know, you, if it was dripping wet, that wouldn't be a good idea. But yeah, you could, you could miss them. Uh, you don't have to. You know, you know this whole thing, Karen, that gardeners have is more is better. Right. <laughs> so don't do a more is better. Just just be sensible about this. They don't want to be dripping wet all day long. And Barb, I'll tell you what, you brought this Mandevilla to here to the building here where KMSU is, and that thing gets more compliments than anything I've ever had around here because you brought this Mandevilla from your house. Yes, three and, years old. Yeah. Oh, it's three. I didn't realize that old, but it's in this yeah. giant pot. I've got it in the window well, and it blooms and blooms, and it's middle of winter, January. People can't believe that we have blooming plants right now, so that is just so wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you. So today I bought, uh, brought the bamboo stakes and my reclosable the velcro velcro so that i can tie it up we it's beautiful and we could keep it small and compact i mean it's not small it could keep it big and compact but it wants to keep growing and it's got probably four or five feet above the tallest part on the plant so it's and it's it's going to be too much for that plant well how tall can something like that grow because right now it's it's getting it's starting to get these little vines that are reaching 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 yes. and it's going to flop so that's why you brought the pole so how yeah. tall can a it, mandevilla get well uh, it just keeps crawling i don't know because we've never done it uh, with this one i had it on a um uh a support, um, Roth iron support. And if you don't, if it doesn't have places to climb, it just falls backward right. and it keeps growing. So uh, it's really not dependent on that, but it looks best, in my opinion, if it's staked. So today I'm going to be there tying it up. I'll take off some of that top growth. It doesn't really need all that, but I've got about five or six bamboo stakes. How tall the stakes do you have, Barb? Uh, I probably, th I think they're probably about five foot. Okay. So five foot beyond the top of the pot, you know. Well, that will be wonderful because, like I said, people love it. And you also have some what the plant's called pearls of opar in there, which are a bright lime green, and they just add kind of a nice contract to those dark, shiny leaves of the mandevilla. And then they bloom. 
and they get flowers on them. And oh, they're also kind of messy after they bloom. I get all these little brown seeds all over. (laughs) And you know what? I'm a gardener, so when I say seeds and it's dropped off from a plant, I think, oh, save them, save them. Well, they reseed because if you look in that pot, there's a bunch of those little babies coming up all around. Isn't how easy that happens? Yeah, right. And I planted some of those outside, and they come back the next year. Sometimes they'll regrow again. Sure, But they're not invasive because they die off in the winter. Yeah, that's right. It's a tropical plant. A lot of fun. That plant has been very hardy for me. It's three years old. And uh, but it it outgrew the space in my window at home in my bay window. It's too cold to have it out in the greenhouse because we don't heat it the greenhouse in the wintertime. So the window here at KMSU was the perfect spot for it. It seems to love it there. Well, it's like a a window. If people don't know the building, it's a window that goes from the floor pretty much to the ceiling. It's very, very tall. Yeah, and it's um, not flat. It's actually there. It's like a a kind of a... A V. (laughs) Like a a tent or something, like a tent on its side. Yeah, and so I guess it gets good sun from both sides that way. It sure does. It sure does. Yeah. All right. Well, Barb, it's always great to have you in there. You've got to go down and do your work of putting stakes in and and Velcroing. (laughs) Yes. Well, my last word to our listeners is watch your plants. And um, if you've got something, if you see an insect or something, deal with it right away. Right. All right. Thank you, Barb. Always great to have you. Okay.